hi there, and welcome to the last driving you crazy show of 2017. Uh, no, not the last one ever. Hopefully that will uh, not be for some time. And I don't think we'll announce it, will we? No, we won't. It's just going to abruptly end. Like uh, <laughs> It just goes yeah. away. Uh, anyway, I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber. I'm pedestrian advocate Joseph Peters. Uh, the studios here are the only place in the world that I've ever seen where locker rooms were blocked off with caution tape. And why was that? Uh, because of a plumbing issue. Or I don't lock- know what oh, it was. Oh, the locker rooms downstairs. The locker rooms downstairs, yes. They are currently uh, a construction area, a war zone. I'm not sure which, but there's yellow tape around them. That's usually where folks go down there. Well, because they have showers. They have the little workout room. There are a lot of people who rely on that locker room, man. Yeah. About 10 or 15 of us, but we will rebuild. Secluded. Uh, it's really a secluded potty, basically, is what you're talking about. Yes. Now you're going to have to go find, maybe go onto the fourth floor, the sales floor, and invade their area. No? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know if any of us would cop to that, but maybe. This is the last show, of course, of the year, as I have next week off. Uh, I'll be trying to forget all that I've learned in my 48 years of life over next week. All right, that might be a little bit drastic. I, I <laughs> But I will be doing very little work if I can. All next week. You, you're going to be gone, right? I will be gone. I'll be doing as little work as possible as well. I'll be sleeping 10 to 12 hours a day. I think it's going to be fantastic. Yep. And then next, and then start uh, early uh, 2018. Boom, we're ready to go, baby. Oh, yeah. Right back at it. Hit the ground running, man. Full steam ahead. Social media blitz. And you're going to be traveling to the East Coast, yes? That's correct. And we'll have full updates of your modes of transportation and all the uh, comedy that, that is here found within absolutely i i can't wait we're taking planes we're taking trains we're taking cars we're taking secluded highways rural roads the whole mix you're gonna get the full breakdown perfect well i forgot to mention this story last week where a guy in toronto jumped into an uber for a ride across the city and was charged an absurd amount of money he wanted just to go five miles at the peak time a ride that should have cost him about 12 to 16 bucks at most instead he was charged fourteen thousand four hundred and one dollars that's a little high for surge pricing, I think. Yikes. A little high. He took a screenshot of the bill, and then he posted that to his Instagram account, and at first, this is where it gets me. Uber insisted the bill was legit and refused to refund the money. Seriously? Where's the Where's the customer service there? you got to know better. You've got to look at that going, who's, honestly, I could go across the country in an Uber and not pay $14,000, right? I mean, people have done that, right? They've gone significant distances for less than 1000 well, it, until his until this guy's friend uh, posted the picture a pic, picture on Twitter and then tagged Uber and, and started making a real stink about it, that's when Uber spokesman admitted to the massive charge did happen and said the company has since decided to refund it. Well, of course, shocking. They said, "quote There was an error here and it has been resolved. We have provided a full refund to this rider and apologized to him for his experience." We have safeguards in place to help prevent something like this from happening, and we're working to understand how this occurred. Are you? Are you really? They, they, they added a few extra zeros to the end of what it should have been a $14 ride. That's how this occurred. No kidding. Honestly, their little algorithm didn't work out right. I think somebody had a grudge. I think he was hacked. You think so? I mean, that's the only way to explain it, right? I don't think computer errors happen that often that are that egregious. But then to come out initially and say this is a legit bill and this guy has to pay it, honestly, I mean, would your credit, Mike, I don't think my credit card, I think I have it hooked up to my American Express, but I don't think uh, they would uh, uh, automatically 
accept that as a charge? I don't think so either. I think if anything, it, honestly, if it went to my bank account, it would just be like, boop, declined. Right. And then and then Uber would charge you for the uh, declined fee or whatever. Well, then you would just like ghost them and never give them your bank information. And then you're good. They're never going to, like, they can try to take you to collections, but that's when it, I, I don't know. You know, it's just, it's so bunk. Anyway. Well, we're glad it had ended in a in a happy and a happy ending. Uber embarrassed. So my third grader, Joseph, my third grader, her name is Jay Lynn. She's sweet. She's nine. And she comes home this week. And she's so excited to show me this uh, homework assignment that she has because it deals with transportation. And she knows I do transportation. That's what daddy does. And so she wants to show this to me. And, and so she's so excited. So I'm thinking, great, you know, because I, I should be the perfect person to help her with this homework project. So I have her read this little story, and it's called Predicting the Future by ReadWorks. Okay? Okay. This is it. Gary Golden sits in a small cafe in Brooklyn, New York. In front of him, sheets of paper with diagrams litter the table. He rapidly sketches trains, cars, and highways as he explains his ideas. Gary Golden has one passion, transportation. The science of how to move people from place to place fascinates him. He spends his days studying the relationships between cars, subways, and trains, but he is most excited about imagining the ways these relationships will change in the next 20 years. I, I have to say, while Jay Lynn is reading this, I am, of course, making this running commentary in my head. <laughs> and, and, and then I start speaking out loud about it, and I start speaking. You know, go, uh, giving her my comments, and of course, it's starting to annoy my wife. Right. And my Jay Lynn doesn't really understand what I'm what I'm getting at. But she, she thinks she's getting the whole story. As, as I'm getting more and more snarky through this whole thing. All right. That being said, let's continue. Golden is a futurist. Futurists are scientists who analyze the way the world is today and use that information to make predictions about what the world will be like in the future. In this way, they are the opposite of historians who try to better understand the present through studying the past. Futurists hope that by making scientific predictions about the future, we can make better decisions today. The first thought that popped into my head is that if this traffic thing ever goes south, I could have a next career in being a futurist. How hard is it to make money in that career? Like, wh- how do you ever make a dime? What do you do? To- how do you sell work? He goes and travels the country and does speeches for companies that pay him a lot of money to do these little uh, conferences where he talks about the future. I mean, it sounds to me like he gets paid to read a lot and write some things. Basically, that's what it is. Because I like traveling the country. Mm. I I love doing that, especially on somebody else's dime. I can give speeches about how we're going to get around in 20 years. I can do that. this, This is a great country. I mean, if you can get a job doing that, yeah, more power to you, I guess. Amen. So the paper continues. Some futurists study the environment. Some study human society. Golden focuses on the study of transportation. He earned his graduate degree in future studies from the University of Houston. Seriously? Future studies is an actual degree at the University of Houston? It's, it's high-level fortune-telling. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I read a lot, and so I think this is going to happen. How can you have a degree in something that hasn't happened yet? That's true. All right. Well, I mean, we can talk a lot about college, but I mean, you can get a degree in books. You can get a degree in acting. There's a lot of these things that, why do you need a higher level education? I got a degree in radio broadcasting. 
<laughs> I mean, seriously. All right, continuing on with the paper. Living in Houston for those two years. Wait, wait he, he got a degree in two years from okay. the University of Houston? Boy, he must be smart, or they must have a very quick degree program. Anyway, living in Houston for those two years changed the way he viewed transportation in the United States. Many public transportation advocates dislike Houston. They argue the city is too sprawling, saying it can take more than three hours to drive from one side of the city to the other during rush hour and that there aren't enough buses and subways. However, Houston was a source of inspiration for Golden. Was it? Quote, Houston is a really interesting place, and their transportation is a fascinating story. It's worth watching. When you think about it, what is the U.S. like? It's more like Houston, so you need to understand how Houston approaches things to understand the country as a whole. New York City is the exception, unquote, said Golden in an interview with the New York Times. Golden points out that people in New York City own fewer cars and walk much more than anywhere in the United States. It's a unique environment, says Golden, very different from the rest of the country. Of course it is! Of course it is! Manhattan is an island! With limited space and unreal cost for rent and for parking. It's also almost 400 years old. It's probably the most densely populated city in the United States. Of course it's different from the rest of the country. They have one. They already have a subway system. It was built there 100 years ago. It's one of the better ones that are already in place in the country. Widely used because the cost of owning and parking a car in, in Manhattan is more prohibitive to getting around. It is to walk or take they, they, to take the subway. Now I'm getting worked up. You got an audience, man. <laughs> are people coming in looking People are at me? freaking out. They're they like, are? what is Jason so fired up about? I say preach on, brother. This is ridiculous. Of course they're different. Denver's different. L.A. is even different with as many people as, as drives around in Los Angeles. It's You can't compare Houston with New York City. What what Does he ever elaborate on what the difference is between Houston and New York City? Is uh, it just Houston's more, Houston's more spread out, right? Here you go. It, it, it continues. However, Golden believes American cities will become more similar to New York City in several ways over the next 20 years. He sees a trend towards fewer cars in the future. He explains, cities have a cost of car ownership that is a challenge. All these vehicles cost the city in services and having to repair roads and all of the other things. Look, they're going to have just about the same maintenance cost to the infrastructure if the roads were used all by buses and emergency vehicles and very few cars. It's the same. You still have to... I don't understand this utopia with everybody riding in buses, right? You mm -hmm. still have to have the roads because you still have to have vehicles that, that are for emergency personnel, fire and police and ambulances, get to the places where people live. And people walk on those roads, don't they? Those roads are always, even if you can never have a car again, even if you live in a city where they banned all cars and you could only take a train or a bus and that's it, or walk or a bike, you still have to have those roads. And those roads still have to be maintained. And you still have that cost. You might say, well, they're not going to be as uh, roughed up because there's not going to be as much uh, traffic on it. You're still going to have to maintain them. You're still going to have to have, you're going to have weather-related issues with them. Honestly, you're, you can't just say, well, I'm going to save all this money on the infrastructure. It just doesn't happen that way. You're just staring at me, nodding. I mean, even if their utopia is ever comes to light, you're, you're still going to need to get to these places. 
You uh, you can't get rid of it. You can't. You can't. Get rid of it. You're right. <sighs> All right, it continues. Cars also take up a lot of space. Houston, for example, has 30 parking spaces for every resident. That's 64.8 million parking spaces in only one city. No way. No <laughs> way. Did he count them all? Was he out there counting one, two? No, he was not. Parking spaces are shared. Uh, shared. Not everybody owns their own parking space. There's not a designated parking space for me at every grocery store and Home Depot in the city. And if there are 65 million parking spaces, so what? So what? Why is it his business how many parking spaces one store has and another store doesn't have? Maybe a large parking lot is a competitive advantage for one business than it is for another business. It obviously works out well for Walmart because, one, a lot of people like to go shop there. And, two, they're also catering to the people that have RVs and recreational vehicles who like to park there and need some space and a bigger parking lot. Yes. Um, Houston's so spread out, though, that like you have to drive two places. You don't have a choice. So every single restaurant, every little dinky restaurant has to have a parking lot of some sort. Right. You know, And it's probably a parking lot that's a little too big for what's necessary. But that's the point, is that you're bi- you're, you build your parking lots for the busiest day of the exactly, year. Exactly. For peak times. Yep. Not just for an occasional visit. <sighs> okay. Golden points out that having so many parking spaces is inefficient. Much of the time, the parking spaces sit empty. At high-use times, for example, Saturday afternoons when everyone is running errands and every parking space at a shopping center is full. But at 3 a.m. on a Monday, no one is at the shopping center. What What would he like uh, us to do with all that space in the middle of the night when most people are sleeping, huh? What would he? What, what does he want to do better? What's a better productive use of that space uh, at 3 in the morning? The, the answer would be grass. Flowers. The parking lot is probably the most efficient use of that space when customers are awake and wanting to go to those stores or the mall or the whatever or the restaurants. I could also say that it's so inefficient for, for me to have a sweater in my closet for six months out of the year when it's too warm outside to wear it. Should I only be able to buy sweaters during the fall, the winter, and then sell it in the spring? It's, it's also inefficient to drive a Chevy Suburban most of the time. But when someone who owns one needs the space, it's available to them when they want and need it. They don't need it all the time, but they have it when it's avail- when they need it. What's wrong with that? Same thing for the parking lot. It's true. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. The paper continues. What's the solution? I think cities are going to start legislating cars in very new ways, says Golden. He explains that cities will make new laws to limit the number of cars people can have within the city limits. Yay! Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, Gary. Perfect. That's right. Have the government regulate what I can drive and where I can drive it and how I can get around. Thank you very much. Government solving all the problems. It's true. And then they'll have a government-operated fleet of lifts that will take you from point A to point B, and that will be the only way people can get around, and that will be how they fund their wars against North Korea. The last time I looked, this was the United States of America. And I have the freedom to waste time, 
to waste my money, to waste space if I want to. It, if I want to turn on my hose right now outside my house and let it run all day long, just let it run down the street. Just let the water run down the street. That's my water. My water bill is going to be extremely high, isn't it? But that's my choice of how I want to use my money. I'm paying for that. If I want to leave every light on in my home. Sorry, Dad. I'm going to leave every light on in the home. I'm going to turn the air conditioner around in the middle of the summer and leave all the windows and doors open. All of them so I can, quote unquote, as my father would say, what are you trying to do? Air conditioning the entire neighborhood? Yes, I am. I'm going to pay for it, but that's my choice, right? Yep. It sure is. Have you done all of those things? Just about. (laughs) Have you ever run your hose out of spite for the water company? Yes. Okay. I most certainly have. Excellent. All right, back to the paper. How soon would these changes come? Golden admits that it would take several years. Cities can be slow to change. Also, new systems of transportation can be expensive. But it's coming, he says. The trend of the empowered city will be here soon. Don't get too excited there, Gary. Slow your roll a little bit. I think it's going to take a little longer than you expect. The other trend that excites Golden is electric cars. We need to reduce the amount of fuel we consume, says Golden. Everyone agrees on this. The question is how to do it. Hey, Gary, guess what? I'm somebody, and I don't agree with that. I don't. I don't agree at all. Why does everybody agree on this? Seriously. Why do we have to reduce the amount of fuel we consume? Because you don't like burning gasoline? Or is it all about the foreign oil debate? Does Gary know that most of the electricity in this country comes from coal? Hmm? Coal. So we're still burning something, right? Where it comes from wind and some comes from hydro and some comes from nuclear. But most of it still comes from coal. So so now we're just exchanging basically one form of exhaust for another when we go from gas to electric. Maybe one day we'll be creating electricity with clean sources. But that day's not here yet. So if you start... going on and on about the global warming because we're burning our fossil fuels in our cars. Well, guess what? We're still burning the fossil fuel to make the electricity right now. It's not as widely spread as you might like. It might be in 50 years. We might have new technologies in 50 years and all that's going to be great. But that's not the way it is right now, Gary. It's not. Correct. Electric cars are not going to save us from uh, using fossil fuels because the fossil fuels create the electricity in the first place. And, you know, the battery technology, all the batteries, they're actually really toxic for the environment. They are actually worse than the fossil fuels that you're burning uh, to uh, generate all the, uh, the battery power. It's actually not very good. All right, back to the paper. Golden especially believes in the future of electric cars that have sensors to understand the world around them. If we have cars that can communicate with one another, then they can adjust speeds to eliminate traffic jams, he says. Rush hour in Houston would suddenly be much less painful. Wait, so now my car has been taken over by the government as well? And now it's setting my speed depending on the congestion? So now I can't drive certain places and at certain times of day because of the government? And now they're taking over my car! So it will determine where and how I can drive. Great. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I want to drive a little bit faster than the speed limit, Gary. Maybe I do. Maybe that's my choice. Again, I thought this was America. Maybe I want to drive a little bit slower, depending on the conditions. Maybe I want to be in control of my own car. 
We understand the utopia that commuting would be if all the cars on the road were driving at the exact same speed with most of them not breaking the gap. We've talked about that a lot on this show, that that's where most of the congestion comes from, breaking the gap and everybody fluctuating their speeds. We just saw a story this week about uh, tailgating and how that's causing so much of the congestion that you see around aggressive driving. You probably read about that or saw it on the TV, right? Right, and if everybody drove the same way at the same rate of speed, then nobody would ever have any problems but, but the it's problem, not the way it works yeah and the problem is that we're human humans being human and until the world is controlled by self-driving cars which will probably be in the next 50 years that might be great but right now humans are the reason for most of the highway congestion but i'd rather have that than anyone telling me or any entity taking over control of my car right now and telling me how to drive it it's true it's going to be real cool when the electric cars take over though Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to bring up this podcast and we'll play it back. <laughs> yeah, as we're as we're getting it thumbed down from all the machines like in uh, the Transformer, not Transformer <laughs> movies, or the uh, Terminator movies. Right, while we're being tortured by robots, we'll be listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast. <sighs> all right, back to the paper. One challenge related to the production of electric cars is that it's hard to cheaply produce batteries that are strong enough for these cars. It is partially because cars are so heavy. But Golden argues you could also make cars out of strong plastic composites. The cars would then be much lighter and much cheaper to make. This could revolutionize the highways, he says. When could electric smart cars become the norm? Golden argues as soon as 2030. If cars makers could really make cars out of lightweight, strong plastics right now, and at the same time keep them from killing you, then they, they would already be doing that. They would already be doing that. The reason that they're not made out of that stuff is because of crashes and of safety and of lives, which is more important than having a car that weighs a little bit more right now and getting a few extra miles a gallon. Unless Gary thinks that lives are not as important as eking out some better fuel mileage, maybe Gary disagrees. I I mean, honestly, I'd rather not die in a crash, (laughs) and I'd rather spend a little bit more on gas to do it. I agree. As a futurist, Golden shares his predictions with other scholars at conferences across the country. He also provides advice to companies that want to know what the future will be like so they can make better strategies. Golden remains optimistic about the future. Quote, there are so many exciting developments, he says. In 30 years, we will live in a very different world. Hey, That's one statement, Gary, I can finally agree with. Hard not to change in 30 years. Honestly, 30, of course, in 30 years, we're going to be much different. This assignment, it included a series of questions about the paper. Uh, The problem to me is that this is used in schools all over the country. If you just search it, if you do a search for it, you can see it's used in in Florida and uh, Georgia and New York and Colorado and California, everywhere. So all these kids are reading this paper. And of course, they're young. They're, you know, third, fourth, fifth graders. That's what this is designed. This is the reading level here. And and now there's no other dissenting view. So they're reading this and thinking, oh, this, it must be, everybody agrees with Gary that we must get rid of uh, uh, regular cars. Everybody needs to be on electric cars. Everybody agrees. A lot of heavy concepts in there for a fourth grader. Yeah, there are. (laughs) My little girl's in third grade, third grade, and she's reading this. That's amazing. Yeah. It is. It's ridiculous. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's amazing that she can 
comp- is she comprehending all this stuff too? Like- she does. Com- well, all right. So one of the questions would be: uh, so the, the, Gary Golden is a futurist. How is a futurist different than a historian? Well, then you go back in the text and you read, oh, yeah, a historian looks at the past and a futurist looks at the future. So that's their answer, basically. So there are, but there's still the whole concept of the, of this whole paper is, I, I think, a little bit above their intelligent, well, not intelligent, but understanding level. Right. And, and it just it just frustrates me to no end, obviously, as you can see. Yes, sir. Are we all clear out here in the newsroom? Are, do you think they yeah, called out the dogs? Uh, did they call it, did they make security go back into the... I think we're good. Room? I think we're good. All right. Well, coming up, how how do you think you could do on an Australian driving test, Joseph? I pass with flying cars. I think you might. Well, we have the questions next as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues. I'm Jason Grenauer, and you're listening to the Driving You Crazy podcast with Jason Luber. If you haven't watched, you're missing a great uh, team of people and some great joking and laughing uh, and uh, some fun. Yeah, you're missing some really fun exchanges uh, between a lot of the people on the show. Uh, they have a lot of fun. We all have a lot of fun. And, uh, and and if you're not watching, you're missing all of it. Nicole Brady, only on Denver 7. Who's your favorite person on the show to work with? Oh, it's myself. <laughs> oh, let's see. Well, one of the advantages is I think we all get along on the show. Um, I mean, I don't really care for the other people on the program. I think they're all kind of... uh... Mitch Jelnicker, only on Denver 7. I went Christmas shopping at the dollar store Cause I had a long list of holiday chores Those sleigh bells jingled as I walked through the door I saw trash and tinsel all over the floor I saw stressed out husbands with stressed out wives I saw mothers with children with tears in their eyes They were crying out screaming Mother I want this As they would be reminded of the naughty list Then I saw a grandmother She was Welcome back to the world famous Driving You Crazy podcast the best and only podcast for transportation junkies like us and we love the streets the sky and everything in between and we love shopping at the dollar store yes sir the last day before christmas in case you have to go pick up a few presents or something the perfect place to get large tootsie rolls and charleston shoes for the loved one <laughs> on your list before we continue i understand there is some sort of interesting story involving you and our podcast fan club president nicole brady uh, which one? There's something about an email about the uh, show The Bachelor. Yeah. The, Would you so, care to elaborate? I mean, we work at a television station, obviously, yeah. and the wonderful people at ABC have made the new Bachelor available to us. Don't know his name. He's a race car driver. Been on the show a couple of times before. Uh, lost at love every time, but this time he is in love. Uh, so ABC makes him available to us for an interview on January 4th. It's three days after the premiere. Why do I want him after it premieres? I'm not at all interested in talking to him after it premieres. I want to talk to him the day before. I want to talk to him for our New Year's Eve show so that we can promote ahead to, hey, on New Year's Day, watch The Bachelor. He's a race car driver. Anyway, in the other half of it, it sounds weird to want to interview the next Bachelor, but at the same time, 
I don't really want to talk to him about The Bachelor. Like, I want to talk to him about what he was like in high school. Like, what were his favorite activities? Was he bullied? Did he bully other people? Did he know that he was going to be on reality television? Like, was he al- always pegged for this sort of fall in love on TV greatness? I want to hear the weird stuff about this guy. Not the, eh, what was your favorite part about the show? What was the hardest thing about giving out roses? Get lost. Well, now, how does this deal with Nicole? Well, I emailed it to her, and I said, hey, because I figured she would be the one to do the interview because the window was during her shift. A, B, I also figured she was knowledgeable about The Bachelor. Okay. I thought there was more to the story because it seemed like it went, the other day she was telling me about something, and she was giggling all about it. <laughs> I think she thought I was kidding about wanting the interview. <laughs> I'm real serious about wanting the interview. We might have to get her side of the story eventually, maybe after the break. All right, so this is my kind of hero, Joseph. A man in China was so fed up with sitting in traffic during his daily bus commute that he painted the lines on the road himself. The, The man was seen in surveillance footage painting his own arrows at the interchange while normal traffic was maneuvering past him. Authorities returned the road to its original state within the day and find him a thousand yuan which would be about 151 dollars he was basically sick of sitting in traffic on the bus and wanted the bus to go a little bit faster why okay i'm okay do you man if you want to repaint the road go for it yeah i don't understand why they painted over it if he was doing people a favor he was doing he was like paint he was painting instead of it he was making this turn so you could go instead of just going straight you could also go straight and do a turn i think so he was trying to help the bus driver out. Yeah. And his own route. He was actually doing a public service. I think so. Have you ever parked your car somewhere and you couldn't remember where you left it? Uh, every time I park my car. Usually you, you find it a couple minutes later though, right? Sometimes. I mean, m- most of the time. Uh, or, or like in the Seinfeld episode, you might find it a little bit longer than that. Like it will take you a whole 20-minute episode. <laughs> well, anyway, it sounds uh, completely ridiculous to, to me that some guy lost his car and found it, get this, 20 years later. This was the headline. German man finds his car parked after 20 years. The now 76-year-old guy left his car in a garage in an industrial building in 1997. He then reported it missing after he couldn't find it again. The car was found by demolition workers as the building is going to be taken down. The car had been left untouched in the same location for the past 20 years. As crazy as this sounds, we don't know if he got the insurance money for this car because it went missing. And that changes everything, because if he cashed a check and was just like, eh, I don't need the car anymore. Good point. Then that would be why he stopped looking for it 19 and a half years ago. Do you think he stopped paying registration and insurance on it and all that other stuff? Without, I mean, everybody's, I don't want to say everybody, but you've seen photos of abandoned parking garages or abandoned shopping malls, and there's always a couple of cars in the parking lot if they couldn't afford to tow them away. Exactly. You know, and after checking some registration records, uh, they, the, the demolition people, they found the original owner. They told him they found his car, and unfortunately, the years have not been good for the car. Uh, it, a deterioration and accumulating rust has left the car basically unsuitable to be driven on the road. So it was sent to the scrapyard. I mean, that's where it should have been gone in the first place. This is just the weirdest story. Guy leaves his car there, doesn't go every once a month, he could have searched every floor on that building and found his car. Uh, th- Right? I mean, once you write it off, who cares? You know, I think that he stopped searching for it a long time ago, and the headline is just very, very hello. Wait a second. Oh, good grief. Listen, I... Give me this microphone. 
I came in here to track some weather because it's a first alert action day for radio, and you two are in here. Meh, 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 meh. We care about that. Why? Because this is Lisa Hidalgo, and we got to get some words out, people. <laughs> I got to alert people that there's snow and cold on the way. Well, you can alert people in 10 minutes. 10 minutes? 10 minutes. Go away. Here. We're going to be in here for 10 minutes. Let me see what's on the roster today. Uh, you know, we're going to be in here. Go away. You want to take my phone, too? Ah! God, this is a okay. yeah. <laughs> Have you stopped beating up your husband yet? Stop it. <laughs> no. You haven't? That's not funny. <laughs> Get out In of fact, here. yes, it was funny. Goodness gracious. That's the kind of de- it's the stuff I have to deal with on a daily basis with that woman. Lord. Unbelievable. All right. Can you pass an Australian driving test, Joseph? Yes, sir. I think you can do great at this. All right. I think you can do so great. I have all the questions lined up right here for you. Are you ready? Let's I mean, your go. general road knowledge, I think, is good. Uh, but these 15 questions that BuzzFeed found on the Australian driving test could put your uh, driving driving knowledge to, to the test. Okay. Here we go. Number one, before getting out of your vehicle, you must, A, check your seatbelt is back in place, B, check your headlights are turned off, or C, check your mirrors and blind spots for pedestrians, bicycles, or other vehicles. C. Correct. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we should have little sound effects, but we don't have them because we don't have any budget for this show. Uh, number two, if there are no lanes marked on the road, you should drive... A, near to the left-hand side of the road. B, anywhere on your side of the road. C, along the middle of the road. No lines marked on your road. Where should you drive? Near the left-hand side, anywhere on your side, or along the middle? On on your side, right? No. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Uh, uh, near the left-hand side of the left-hand side of the road. Remember, we are driving in Australia, my friend. Australia. Mark that as a miss. All right. Miss. Failure. I'm coming for you. <clears throat> okay. One and one, one for two. Question number three. Are you required to carry your driver's license with you every time you drive? It's only needed during long trips or no, being licensed is enough. Yes, every time you drive. There you go. Okay. There you were back on the winning track. I was worried that Australia had some weird rule about not needing it for long trips. That's why they're trying to, you know, screw you up here. Scammers. Number four. When driving at sunset or dawn on a dark day, what should you do? A, turn on your lights on low beams. B, keep your sunglasses on to cut down on headlight glare. C, turn on your hazard warning lights. Uh, Definitely A. Maybe B if you're me. (laughs) The correct answer is A. Turn on your low lo- your uh, lights on low beams. There you go. All right, so you're three. I'm going to mark this down. Three and one. Killing it. Number five. Are you permitted to tow a caravan with a person riding in the caravan? I'm not sure exactly what a caravan is in Australia, but it is something you can tow. All right, so A, yes, if the person in the caravan are over 12 years of age. Yes, provided you do not exceed 60 kilometers an hour. Or C, no, not under any circumstances. C? You are correct. Okay. I think a caravan's got to be like an RV, right? I would imagine a trailer or yeah, something right. like that or the back of a pickup. All right, number six. Before driving a long distance at a fast speed or carrying a full car load, you should A, have a large meal and a cup of coffee. B, check your tire pressure, and if necessary, increase it 
to what the manufacturer recommends, or C, make sure you have a street directory so you know where you are going. I mean, all of them, but B, right? B is correct. You're okay. exactly right. Check your tire pressure because you should also, I think, have a large meal and a cup of coffee before going anywhere. And you should have, a, uh, yeah, you should have all of those things. All right, Sev, that was not one of the options for the questions, though. Number seven, when reversing, you should A, take care and never reverse for a greater distance and time than is necessary. B, unbuckle your seatbelt so that you can reverse as quickly as possible. Or C, sound your horn to warn other drivers. C? Ah, oh, sorry. Sorry. I'm going to mark that as a no. I'm going to mark that as a no. That's two. No. Uh, the, actually, the correct answer is you take care to never reverse for a greater distance in time than is necessary. Number eight, stoplights or flashing lights at railway, at railway crossings should always be obeyed because, A, car brakes often fail. B, pedestrians <laughs> might be crossing. C, trains are fast, heavy, and cannot stop quickly. Uh, C, right? C, C is correct. All of those things again. They still but... all apply, but C is still the most correct answer. Number nine. Generally, if you hear the sirens from an emergency vehicle, you should A, pull over to the left until the emergency vehicle passes. B, immediately come to a stop. C, let the emergency vehicle pass and follow it closely behind. Can I, I'm so glad that was an option. <laughs> Because that's exactly what I've seen so many people in Denver do, is wait for the sirens to go by and then immediately hit the gas and start going right behind them. I'm thank, an offender. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I am an offender of the that. The answer is A. I yes, guess. the answer is A. You're exactly right. All right, number 10. How closely can you park to another vehicle when parallel parked to the curb? A, you must leave at least one meter front and back. B, you must leave at least two meters from the front only. C, you must leave at least three meters front and back. Remember, we're talking meters. I, I, what is a meter? So, a meter. So no, it's, a, uh, you it's, know, it's about three meter, feet. It's right? About three feet. Yeah. It's like asking me what a henway is. I was going to say, because it's one meter, because you don't need to leave that much more space, right? One meter is correct. Yeah. One meter. Three meters of space. Get out of you here. You didn't even get my henway reference. <laughs> I don't know what Henway is. No, Henway is about three or four pounds. Oh. Uh, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> there we go. See, I finally came okay. around for that one. All right, number 11. Before driving on a freeway, which of the following should you do? A, take something to calm your nerves before driving. B, take your street directory in case you get lost. C, make sure your vehicle has enough fuel, oil, water, and the correct tire pressure. Um. All of them again. Oh, <laughs> the most correct answer is C. That's right. Even though I think most people in Denver take something to calm their nerves before they go driving. Maybe multiple somethings or different kinds of somethings. Right. All right, number 12. You should use your right-hand indicator when, A, you intend to slow down, B, you intend to move to the right at any time, C, you are about to stop. Uh, B, right? That is correct. Okay. You intend to move to the right at any time. Because we are using our right hand, because again, we are in Australia. Australia. Number 13, if you see a horse and rider on the road, what should you do? Well, you're in Australia, obviously, so. Pass this, them slowly, right? All right. A, sound your horn to warn the rider. 
B, speed up to pass the horse, or C, slow down and give them plenty of room? The answer is B. I don't care what they say the answer is. The answer is B. The answer is C. No. Slow no. down get, and give them plenty of room. Get around the horse. but Because <laughs> you should not sound your horn because you're going to freak out no. the horse. And absolutely under no circumstances sound the horn. Yeah, I think I would do that same thing. Yeah. All right, so that's number, that's three. That's, that's three. three wrong, but two in spirit. Okay. <laughs> number 14. Should you angle park? A, where the road is very wide. B, where there is plenty of room from the center line. C, where there are markings or a sign indicating angle parking. C. Yes, of course. And lastly, but not leastly, number 15. Are you allowed to use a handheld mobile phone while driving a car? A, no. B, yes, but only when you stop at intersections. C, yes, but you must hold the steering wheel with at least one hand. A is the most correct answer, okay. <laughs> even though I think most people around here do all of the above. Give me a break, man. It's <laughs> Especially all of those. B. I mean, only they, when you stop at an intersection, everybody's looking at their phone. Everybody. It's the truth. I know, Exactly. You know, anyway. Well, I think that is, uh, let's see, we had 15 questions. You missed three, so that's 12 and three. I think that's a pass, my friend. Excellent. Very I was hoping nice, for perfection. Very nicely there. done. I'm very proud of you. Pursuit of perfection cut short like the New England Patriots, but at uh, least I yeah. passed. So I I will have your Australian driver's license printed up post-haste. Fantastic. Not that you're going to drive out there, but uh, I will have it for you anyway. There you go. <laughs> thanks, man. Well, thanks again for being here for this last edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast of 2017. Woo! Yes, I just got a, a thing, by the way, uh, from the newsroom, an email saying that we uh, there's actually in the Colorado Broadcasters Association, they actually have an entry for new media I told podcasts. You. I think we're going to enter. Maybe not this one. <laughs> Maybe we can enter this one. Uh, but we can enter, um, we'll, we'll enter a, a, a podcast for the CBAs. We'll see how that goes. All right. All right. Anyway, I'm, I, I hope you have a very uh, Merry Christmas. To you the same. A Happy New Year. We will be back. We'll be off next week. Then we'll come back strong in 2018. Uh, hope everybody's listening says a very safe and happy and healthy Christmas season, Hanukkah season, Kwanzaa season. What other holidays are there? You got them all. Okay, good. Uh, and New Year's, of course. Solstice season. Solstice the season. Solstice is tomorrow, my friends. Festivus. For the rest of us. For the, so all of them. Have, have, have a great whatever you celebrate. We appreciate you listening and supporting the podcast uh, over this whole year. It's been great. Had a lot of downloads, and it's been really nice to see the podcast grow over this time. Keep the downloads coming. That's right. It's been a lot of fun. So we're going to go crank it up for 2018. Well, probably not. We're just going to keep doing what we do. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> and we'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. I'm a one-horse open sleigh advocate, Joseph Peters. <laughs> Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.